I want to welcome all the Liberty family at every one of our locations, all of you who have joined us online. Who's glad to be in church today? It's going to be an exciting day. We're going to have a special time coming to take communion, and so I want to invite you at home, wherever you are, just to get ready and uh, participate with us. I know that not only do we have people gathered at all of our locations, but we have those in our military community who have joined us, and the men and women in the correctional facilities, and those of you who are on vacation. And I just want to thank you for staying connected and being a part of this worship experience. And we have people to watch from all over the country and the world, and and uh, I, I just want you to know, I pray for you, every one of you, I pray for you at our campuses and those online, and I believe God has a word for us today. Uh, let me just uh, make these announcements quickly. Tomorrow we start Kids Week. Come on, Kids Week! I got saved in Kids Week as an eight-year-old child, and so this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. You be praying for the children, the families, that whole families get reached, and you pray for the workers. Amen. Pray for all the workers. And uh, it starts tomorrow, and you just show up with your kids, and I promise you it's going to be a great time. I also want to let you know that we have Chris Tomlin coming to Liberty in the month of November. And so this is kind of a uh, pre-sale uh, announcement for our people because we want you to have a first opportunity at that. It, I, just like when C.C. Winans came and when others come, it's not our event. We're hosting it. And so uh, I don't even know the price of the ticket. I honestly don't. All right? So if you don't like the price of the ticket, don't send me emails complaining, okay? I have no idea what it costs. Uh, but I, I know that it's going to be a great night. And we're going to give you first opportunity to sign up. So if you will go uh, to libertylive.church slash events, just go to the events page, and you will see there a pre-sale code that you can enter so that you will have first opportunity uh, to go to the concert. Everybody's got it? Say, I got it. All right, we're in a study looking at Romans chapter 8. So I invite you to turn Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he had uh, spent three months at Corinth on his third missionary journey. And in the process, he was so far west and so close to Rome, he wanted to go there. And yet he had been collecting this offering to take to the saints in need back in Jerusalem. So he was torn. And so he decided to deliver the offering in person and just write a letter to the Romans and let them know that he would be coming later to visit them. Uh, and of course, he did before his death. And, and so I want you to see, he didn't just write a postcard. He didn't just write a note. He wrote the greatest epistle, the greatest letter that he wrote in the New Testament. And in it, uh, chapter 8, many believe is the greatest chapter. And that's what we're studying today. I want to talk to you about more than words, more than words. Let's pray. Father, I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit that came upon the Apostle Paul to write these words would anoint me now to preach them and give the people ears to hear what the Spirit says. And I'm praying right now that, Lord, you would just have your will and way in our lives. And when we uh, get ready to take communion, Lord, I pray that we'll come prepared and ready, washed with the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a right relationship with you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. All right, Romans chapter 8, the first thing I want you to write down is this, his prayers. You're going to see who is praying for you today. 
And I want you to see that his prayers are more than words. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. It's going to be mentioned three times here. The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. The ESV puts it like this, groanings too deep for words. I love that. Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Three times it talks about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. The Holy Spirit... Uh, was promised by Jesus the night before he was crucified in the upper room. He told the disciples, I will not leave you orphans. But rather in John 14, he prayed this. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Everybody say another. Another advocate who will help you and be with you forever. And then he specified who it was he was talking about. He said, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of truth. Now, uh, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language and the New Testament in the Greek language. And so in the Greek, there are more than one word. There's more than one word for another. Everybody say another. But it's always translated in the English, another. So we really don't get the beauty there in that language. And, and I call attention to it because, first of all, uh, there's a word called heteros. It's where we get the word heterosexual. It just simply means there. it's another human being, but it's a different kind. We're talking about male and female. Are you tracking with me? All right? So it's another human being, but it's a different kind. And the guys all know they're a different kind. Amen? I mean, just, I'm just telling you. There's a difference even though we're all human. There's another Greek word called alos. And alos, A-L-L-O-S, it means another of the exact same kind. Now, I want to illustrate this with you uh, by talking about an automobile. Uh, Miss Tammy, when she got her first automobile, she got a 1965 VW. And the reason she got it is because her grandfather worked exclusively on VWs and sold them used. And because of that blessing of her, her grandfather, she was able, her first car, to be a 1965 VW. I've heard her talk about it over the years, and she loved that car. And so I looked for over two years because they're hard to find. And on like our 30th anniversary, I gave her this car. Now, my point is this, and by the way, look at this. That smile right there is priceless. I want you to know that what I gave her was the exact same kind of car, same make car, same model. Have you got it? Say, I got it. I'm telling you, we don't worship three gods. We worship one God who manifests himself in three persons. And Jesus, when he said, I'm going to give you another, he's saying the Holy Spirit is the same kind, same make, same model as me. All right? And so, and so I want you to, to get this. Uh, we, we were talking to a man the other day from another country, and I, I asked him, I said, uh, uh, what do you know about Jesus? And he said, well, I believe in Jesus, but not like you. Well, he didn't know what I believed about Jesus. I hadn't told him yet, but I let him go first. I said, just tell me what you believe about Jesus. 
And so he said, well, we believe in the egg. I said, the what? He said, the egg. He said, an egg has an outer um, shell, and it has the white and the yolk, and that's what we believe about God. I said, I said you, you, you believe God's three persons? He said, yeah. I said, you believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? He said, yes. I said, bro, we believe in the egg, too. And, and so we don't worship uh, three gods, but one God. You, you see it in Genesis. Let us make man in his image. You see it at the baptism of Jesus. There was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. So you got the father speaking about the son and whom he's well pleased. And the spirit came down in the likeness of a dove. Now look back at the scripture. It says here that the Holy Spirit, who's all God, same make and model as Jesus, Says right here, he helps us in our weakness. Anybody feeling weak today? I'm telling you, I've got good news. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. How many can give a witness that there was a time in your life you didn't know if you were going to make it, but the Holy Spirit helped you in your weakness? Can I get a witness? I almost lost my life, but the Holy Spirit helped me. I almost lost my health but the Holy Spirit helped me. I almost lost my job, almost lost my mind, but the Holy Spirit helped me. Let me tell you, God uses weakness. He helps us in our what? Our strength? No. Some of you are too strong for God to use you. That wasn't in my notes, but I'm telling you, that's good. Some of you are too strong for God to use you. Listen, God uses weakness. Look at the story of Gideon. He said, Gideon, you've got too many. We've got to cull it down to about 300. Why? That way God gets the glory. You look at the story of Moses. Moses said, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak well. He said, Moses, who made your mouth? That way God gets the glory. You look at David. David's the youngest who's anointed to be the king. He's a little shepherd boy who defeats a giant named Goliath. Why? So God gets the glory. That says he only uses our weakness. I'm telling you that weakness is the stage on which God displays his glory. That says here, we don't know what to pray for as we should. We don't know. Everybody say, we don't know. There's so much in this life we don't know. We don't know the future. There's so much uncertainty, so many things we don't know. But yet Job said, even though he did not know why he was suffering, he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. Uh, John says, we know that we've passed from death to life. He said, these things have I written so that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. John went on to say, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So there are things we do know, and yet there's so much we don't know. So how do you balance what you do know with what you don't know in this life? We don't know what's best for us. We don't know the future. And, and, and we can't use prayer like manipulation, just blab it and grab it, and name it and claim it, and try to twist God's arm to tell him as if we know what's best. No, he knows what's best. So get out of the way and tell, just tell God, I want you to make the decision for me. I have prayed that so many times over the years. Lord, would you make the decision for me? Left to myself, I will make the wrong decision. Decision. I don't know, but God, you do know. Uh, God, I don't know, but you are at work. I don't know all the ways that you work, but I trust you. And even when we don't know, listen, how to pray for ourselves, 
The Holy Spirit is praying in us and for us. It says here, the Spirit knows the mind. Look at this. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. He intercedes knowing the will of God. And so the Spirit knows the mind and the will of God. And the groaning here literally means a deep emotion. It means God feels our pain. Somebody's hurting today. I want you to know God feels your pain. He understands. It's like a mother when a child is crying and groaning. And yet that mother knows how to comfort that child. Knows what to do for that child. Uh, it's like a spouse sitting by the bedside of their spouse. And they've had a stroke and that spouse can't speak. Or maybe there's another health issue why that spouse cannot communicate. But the spouse sitting beside them knows what they're trying to say. Are you listening? I'm telling you, God knows what you're trying to say. And he's going to interpret that prayer according to the will of God. According to the mind of God, John Calvin said this, Our Heavenly Father will not refuse to satisfy the yearning which by His Spirit He has put within us. The Holy Spirit, listen, now get this, is in our hearts making intercession for us, but also the Lord Jesus is in heaven making intercession for us. Look at verse 34. You're still awake? Say amen. Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So you've got the Holy Spirit praying in our hearts, and you've got Jesus praying in heaven in our behalf. And so I want you to get this now. In Hebrews 7, it says, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. How does he pray? According to the will of God. 1 John 5 says this, God always answers prayer in accordance to his will. We don't always know his will, but the Holy Spirit living in our heart does. And Jesus in heaven does. And they're praying, listen, they are praying the will of God over you. I'm gonna preach myself happy. <laughs> they are praying the will of God over you that his will be done and his purpose be accomplished. Everybody make a note of this, just write it down. August the 6th through the 26th. Write that down. August 6th through the 26th. It's our 21 days of prayer. We do it every January and every August. And if you've never experienced it, I want you to be a part of it and experience it. And during that time, we teach every day on prayer, different pastors on staff, and, and, and then we pray individually and corporately. And one of the prayers that we've taught is the prayer of Moses. And that's why I have the menorah here. When we were in Israel... Uh, our guide told us that the menorah, the candlestick that was in the tabernacle and in the temple, that it represented fire, the presence of God, but it also represented the spirit, the power of God. Why? Because there is no fire apart from the olive oil. And if you read in, um, in Zechariah chapter 4, he shows there a menorah that is burning, and an olive tree planted on each side of it so that the oil never runs out. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. You also read about it in uh, Revelation chapter 11. But my point is this. We've got to have the Holy Spirit working within us, helping us with our prayers. Uh, it, it's just like this. In Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by 
My spirit, says the Lord. And that's what he said when he's talking about those two trees on each side that keeps the fire burning. Paul said you got to fan the flame. Leviticus 6 said about the tabernacle, don't let the fire go out. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need the tree, the olive tree, pouring the oil, filling us afresh and anew at all times. And that's how we experience the work of the Spirit through prayer. Second thing I want you to write down. Not only do we see his prayers are more than words, but I want you to see here his promise is more than words. His promises are more than words. Look at verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. His promises are more than words. Now, not everything is good, but God has promised that he will work all things together for good. Everybody say all things. All things means all things. That is the interpretation. It, it even means the suffering of this present time that we studied the other day in this passage. Too many people are bound by, shackled by uh, yesterday, past mistakes, poor choices. But I'm telling you, God can use all things, even bad things, pain, failure, mistakes, all things. Let me tell you, God can work it so that setbacks become setups. Together for good. Everybody say together for good. Uh, the, the illustration I love is table salt. Jesus said, be the salt of the earth, and so I put it on everything I eat. I, I love salt. And I, and, and I want you to know that salt is made up of two things, sodium and chloride, both of them harmful, dangerous, hazardous poisons by themselves. Oh, but when they work together, they work together to make French fries taste really good. It's just like when you saw your mother, your grandmother cooking. The raw ingredients are not good. Have you ever tasted a flour, baking powder, raw eggs, vanilla, uh, cocoa? I could go on. Bitter, doesn't taste good. Oh, but when it's worked together, it mixes together for good. And one of these days, all of our hurts are going to be worked together and turned into hallelujahs. Put your hands together and praise God. Too often we're like Jacob. Jacob said in Genesis 42, he said, all things are against me. And yet his son Joseph in Genesis 50 said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God's the only one who can take evil and turn it into good. Now, Joseph didn't deny uh, that there's evil in this world. This world is full of evil. He didn't say about his brothers who sold him into slavery and then told a lie that he was dead. He didn't say, well, they meant well by it. No, they meant evil. But God meant it for good. Now, this was Joseph. Joseph said, you sold me, God sent me. You sold me, but God sent me. And so evil in their hand. The hand of his brothers, uh, the hand of Potiphar's wife, the hand of Satan himself. Evil in their hand still had to go through the good hand of God. And I want you to know that, that we see right here that his statement, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, was not made as a child or as a teenager or in the pit or in the prison, but it was only in hindsight, only looking back 
could he see that God was working all things together for good? Everybody say good. My life verse is Philippians 1.6. It says, be confident. It means we know that he who began a good work in us will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In Genesis, God created everything and he said, it is good. Jesus is the good shepherd. I want you to know, Jesus said, uh, listen, in this world you're gonna have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Fight the good fight. Discern both good and evil. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And when we get to the end of our lives, we want to be able to say, like Paul, I fought a good fight and I have finished my race and kept the faith. And until then, what do you do? You hold on to Romans 8, 28. We know all things are working together for good. That means there's purpose in the pain. God will enable you to see it from his viewpoint one day. The why behind the weight the why behind the wait. Listen, Abraham and Sarah, they had to wait for a son. Noah had to wait for the flood and then wait for the waters to subside. Joseph had to wait for his dream to come true. Hannah had to wait for a baby. Ruth waited for a husband. Between the Old and New Testament, 400 years of waiting. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus waited for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Uh, the disciples had to wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit, and we're waiting for the Lord's return. But in each of these cases, they knew the promises of God. They rested in the promises of God, and it was worth the wait. Everybody say, worth the wait. It was worth the wait. God's delays are not God's denials. I'm telling you, God does something in you before he does something for you, and the only thing worse than waiting is wishing you had. Instead of only asking God to get you out of it, start praying, God, what do you want me to get out of it? Because he has a greater purpose. Everybody say purpose. And that's my last point. His purpose. His purpose is more than words. Look at what it says. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Don't miss that. Who are called according to his purpose. God has a plan and purpose for your life. Those are more than words. Everything that happens to you is not good, but he will work all of it for your good and for his glory. That's what he does when he works according to his purpose here. Uh, God uses anything, bad things, painful things. He can use divorce, shame. He can use failure, pain, loss, and work it for our good and Enable us to help others who go through similar things. That gives us hope today. Look at this verse, Ephesians 1.18, that you may know. Boy, we're talking about what we know today. We know all things work together for good. You say, but preacher, I don't know. Just hang on to what you do know. Hang on to the, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Listen, you hang on to who God is. And you hang on to his promise as great as his faithfulness. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. He'll give you strength for whatever you're going through, even though you don't know what to do. Look at it. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Hope and calling are tied together. Let me say that again. Your hope and your calling are tied together. Our significance is not found in monetary material success. There has to be more to this life. 
I mean, there's, there's a bigger purpose than just working for more money, a bigger house, or a better car. I'm telling you that God has a unique purpose for your life, and the most fulfilled you will ever be in this life is when you know that God has used you to touch somebody else's life for eternity. You can say, I was made for this. God's using me. I'm talking to the young adult who's trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. I'm talking to the middle-aged adult. You're about to have a, a, a midlife crisis. I, I, I'm talking to the senior adult who says it's too late for me. No, Psalm 92, 14 says they will still bear fruit in their old age. Listen, God blessed the latter years of Job more than the beginning. And on judgment day, God's not going to ask you why were you not more like your mother or your father or your brother or your sister or somebody else. God is going to say, why weren't you more like you? Doing what I called you to do. Everybody say called. Tammy and I were at Greenbrier campus recently and, and a man came up to me and, and said, Pastor, I just want to thank you for preaching the word. I was here in the military, moved away, came back again, and since that time, I paid off so, uh, so many debts. Thank you for preaching the word. I, I paid off thousands, it's like thirty dollars or $40,000. Unbelievable how much debt he paid off. He said, but every time I did it, I memorized scripture. He said, watch this. And he just started spouting off by memory the word of the living God. And a, another lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I, I just want to thank you. Thank you for... What this church means to me, my husband and I were living in our van homeless, but a member here at Greenbrier came and checked on us, helped us. Now we have a place to live. Now we have a church home. Now we're on the life team. We're serving the Lord, and I just want to say thank you, and, and I'm going through cancer. Would you pray for me? And I did, and I continue to. I, I want you to know that we had 79 New missionaries appointed by the International Mission Board recently, and one couple, yes, came from Greenbrier. Where they went to, listen, they cannot show their face. They had to even change their names because of where they're going as missionaries. Now, I say that, and I want to say parenthetically, listen, none of that would have happened if we hadn't had a Greenbrier campus. If we had not launched Greenbrier, and that's true of every campus, I tell you about another campus where we've got a young lady who just finished college, but rather go right into the workforce. She's spending two months, and she is working with Muslim women in a Muslim country. We've got another young lady, listen, who has spent the last year and eight months altogether, it'd be about two years serving in Asia. We, we've got another couple who is serving in the Middle East. And I want you to know we've got our first, are you listening? Our first couple. They got married, they met in the school of ministry, married in the school of ministry, and now they're working with the International Mission Board and they are in the process of being appointed as missionaries on the mission field. Come on, put your hands together and praise God. Now in all these cases, you say why, why would somebody be willing to do that? One word called called look at what Paul said in the very first verse of Romans 1 Paul a servant of Christ Jesus everybody say it called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God 
verse 6. And you also, don't miss that, you also are among those Gentiles who are called. You're called. Listen, we were called to belong to Jesus Christ. You're called to salvation and you're called to service. Now the real question is, are you fulfilling your calling? Are you fulfilling your calling? Now I want you to notice that this incredible prayer, an incredible promise, is only for an exclusive group of people. Did you catch it? Those who love God. Those who love God. Do you love God? To know Him is to love Him. Look at what he says here in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those, you say it, who love him. Do you love him? The next time you doubt, Romans 8, 28, the next time you doubt that all things are working together for good, I want you to think about the cross. As we come to the Lord's table, as we take communion together, remember the cross. God took the most evil act, the most horrible act in human history, and he worked it for your good. He worked it for our salvation. He used it to adopt us into his family. The Bible puts it like this, that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to bow with me for prayer. Some of you feel the call of God right now to salvation, to put your faith and trust in him. Some of you need to come to God for the first time. Some of you need to come back to God. Just pray something like this. God, I love you, and I know you love me, and I only love you because you first love me. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating your love on the cross, for paying the price, the penalty for all of my sin. I believe you're the Son of God, that you not only died on the cross, but you were buried and rose on the third day. And I ask you to come live inside of me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in my heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you're working in my behalf in heaven. And I want to be part of that group who loves God and who are called according to your purpose. Here's my life. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Can we rejoice with those who prayed that today? Come on, online at our campuses. You can text online the word yes to 40371. If you said yes to Christ today, if you're ready to take that next step, just text the word baptized to 40371. If you're at our campuses, just take the red card, fill it out. You can put it in the basket or better yet, take it to the Next Step Center at the close of the service. Well, right now, I want to invite those at home to get some elements together. You can get some juice and some bread. I want to invite you at our campuses to pick up one of the prepackaged uh, Lord's Supper elements and get yours ready. And if you don't have it ready at home or at our campuses, don't panic. We're about to sing. And in that time of singing, you can uh, go and get the elements and partake 
uh, any time during that time of worship. But Jesus told his followers to do this in remembrance of me. We know Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Even though he's all God, he became all human. And that means that he identifies with our suffering, with our hurt, with our pain. And I want you to know that Jesus said that the bread represents his body, that body of flesh to identify with us. He took the bread and on that occasion that night, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And we know that the blood cleanses from all unrighteousness. That the blood of all those animals and sacrifices could not remove sin, but pointed to the once and for all sacrifice for sin, the Lord Jesus, on the cross, shedding his blood for us. And because of that, we've learned in Romans 8, listen, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He took the cup, he blessed it, he gave it to them and said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it. And we're going to continue to worship. And like I said, if you weren't ready to partake, you can just partake anytime during the worship now. But let's just worship the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me every campus location. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege that's ours to know you. There's so much in this life we do not know. But I thank you that we can know you. And know that you're for us and not against us. Thank you for the promises of Romans 8. And I thank you that you're working all things together for good. For those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you for setting us free from the brokenness and hopelessness of this world. Thank you that we've got somebody praying for us who understands us, who understands heaven, and you're praying the will of God over us today. Lord, we stand on your promises. We know you love us. We know our lives are in your hands. And Lord, uh, we're weak, and we need you. And I pray for those who are hurting and weak today that, Lord, in this moment that you will meet each one at our point of need. Remind us that you are working in our behalf and that your plans are good and not evil. Plans to give us a future and a hope. We love you. We bless you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.